We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Well, I think I have discovered the problem. I've stumbled on to the problem. As I like to log on to news sites from around the universe. Might as well pretend it's the universe. 56, just 56% of Americans can name the three branches of government. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Explains why, you know, when you really think about it, we're lucky with only 55% of Americans receiving welfare, some form or another. After all, we've just found out that 44% are complete and total morons. What do you think the percentage of that percent were educated in a public school system under Democrat rule? A hundred? For you people listening who went to CPS, there's no bigger percentage. Hundreds, it. that's it. Somebody out there going, 110. The reality is... It explains why they would allow this dementia patient with that confused stare, wondering if that's just something in his shoe or his diaper's wet. Explaining to the people why we must move forward with a class war. See, that is the trick of every totalitarian dictator throughout history. Not just those ones with the porn star mustaches in South America. It's the way in which all countries were brought to its knees under the vision of a demagogue, a fraud, an old man in our case, and a political whore in every case. The scum, who most of whom have done nothing their whole life. And when I say nothing, you're thinking I mean business. No, no, no. I'm thinking done anything that they're promoting they do. Like Joe Biden promoting that people pay taxes or their fair share. This imbecile, this fraud, is from Delaware. Do you know what Delaware is known for? Does anybody know? What does it produce? Hmm. What is the main, main commodity that comes out of Delaware, aside from BS? What is it? It's tax shelters. It is a tax haven. In fact, it's almost astonishing how many well-known, well-known politicians have companies in Delaware, yet none of them have ever been there. Joe Biden is from a state that the only reason it exists, aside from producing a politician that will destroy this nation, is for tax avoidance. Now, when I say that to you, 
I want you to keep in mind what our idea in America of taxing is. It's the same idea under the Soviet system, where people are lucky if the government allows them to keep money they've earned. See, that's, what, that's to, to the point of which America has devolved. Now you're lucky that the government lets you keep money you've earned from some vehicle or another, nonetheless. See, because we've adopted that philosophy of the Soviet system, of the Nazis, which is why they are the Fourth Reich. And by the way, do you know how the Nazis stoked hate towards the Jews? It wasn't just religion. The greatest accusation by Adolf and the Third Reich was that they were individualists, that they were shop owners, shopkeepers, that they were landlords, that they were capitalists, and that they didn't pay their fair share. It was also the same thing of the Bolsheviks as the bourgeoisie and the proletariats. It's the same goddamn BS that's taking down my country. Only this time, we've got this picture of incompetence with a thousand-yard blank stare that would make Forrest Gump go, he's stupid, all the way down to the same propaganda and promotion of class warfare, hate a citizen who does better than you. Justify why this government, which is riddled with not just the political whores that Joe Biden and so many represent, but stands for waste, fraud, abuse, and corruption. That's what the government does. It produces nothing but failure in each and every time. Working people were struggling to make it long before the pandemic arrived. Because of government, you flipping moron because of policies, because you and your cohorts shut down the economy, you idiot. And the only ones who didn't even notice it were the government suck-offs who just sat there and waited for their money, who are immune to everything else we, the working people of this country, have to tolerate time in and time out. Well, you pretend to be part of society instead of the very thing that's ruining it. Big corporations and the very wealthy were doing very well before the pandemic. That's why I've said, starting back in my campaign for president, that it's not enough to just build back. We have to build back better than before. Yeah, there's the Fourth Reich slogan. And that's how it all begins. And, and, and as he says this, how many Americans, you know, considering that only 52% can name the three branches of government, how many Americans realize the kind of economy that was happening prior to the Fauci flu, prior to the government-funded pandemic, so-called pandemic. Thank God the government made it. It's only managed to kill 0.05% of us. Otherwise, if this thing was privately made or made by the Germans, we'd all be in trouble. Chinese and government are the only reason we're all alive. Before they use that as a weapon, as an excuse to take us over, to put us into servitude that none of us can figure out how to get out of, that some of us are even taking more money from. How many imagine can remember that? Not many. Big corporations and super wealthy have to start paying their fair share of taxes. How come the bums never have to pay their fair share? How come the welfare roach never has to pay his fair share? How come, how, how did the government get to say to a, to a society, you over there, listen, we know you're useless. After all, we educated you. We know you're absolutely good for nothing and incapable of practically anything. 
So you don't have to pay anything. These other people who are good at everything, they got to pay fair. What's fair? I don't know. I'll decide. How are you going to decide? After all, you're the one who hid the money in the S-Corp, so you didn't have to pay the taxes. And you're from Delaware. How are you going to decide what fair is? Don't worry. We'll wing it. And those that don't bribe us, they get a different definition of fair. And as for the 70% of society, 70% that practically pay nothing, they're okay with us. Drinks are on the house. It's only those people who go to work. It's only those ones who are really good at it. Those are the bad ones. Kind of like the Jews in Germany. Those are the individualists. Those are the ones who only care about themselves. They're selfish. And by the way, they can afford it. They're capitalists. And if you don't mind, if you start your next corporation, please start it in Delaware. The leak of the so-called Panama Papers exposed the extent to which the world's rich and powerful hide money in offshore accounts. And the U.S. almost came out of the scandal unscathed. But as transparency activists... By the way, if you don't know what the Panama Papers is, look it up. And look up really famous names, Kennedys. Look up the Clintons. Look up the Pritzkers. Oh, those butter-handed, cream-puff-eating son-of-a-guns. They got a lot of money in Panama. Say Americans don't need to move their money overseas. You don't really have to go to Panama or other tax havens. They are not the only ones making it possible for corrupt officials and other criminals to launder their money. You can do it in every state in the U.S. In fact, there are several places across the country which have very business-friendly tax laws and which are used as havens. One of the major ones is Wilmington in Delaware, which has a population of 70,000, but it's got 300,000 registered corporations. Many of So it's got 70,000 people, but 300,000 corporations. Who could own those? Those are anonymous shell companies, which can be used for the purposes of minimizing the tax bill. Caleb Mopin went to find out how it feels to live in a tax loophole address. The Panama Papers exploded like a bombshell in the media. Scandal! The Panama Papers! The Panama Papers! They're calling it the Panama Papers. While Barack Obama has repeatedly called for a crackdown this is old. on tax you can't find this today. It's a tax code that makes it all too easy for a number, uh, a small number of individuals and companies to abuse overseas tax havens to avoid paying any taxes at all. But what about onshore tax havens? This small building in the U.S. state of Delaware might look pretty unassuming, but businesses love it. It turns out no fewer than 285,000 different corporations are registered in this building alone. Inside 285,000 corporations registered in one building. Every major corporation hides money there, and every single one of them has bribed Joe Biden for half a century. Every single one of them. He is a direct beneficiary of Delaware's tax haven status. Come on, man. It's exactly right. And what is the scumbag promoting now? You know the one. He doesn't know if his shoe is wet or his diaper needs to be changed. What's he promoting? It's long overdue. I'm not out to punish anyone. I'm a capitalist. You're not a capitalist. Don't even say it. Don't say it again. Don't say it. You're a scumbag, corporatist, political whore who's been bribed into riches you never deserved. Never. And I'm not even going to bring up that drug addict embarrassment of the fruit of your loins. Just you living in the DuPont mansion since 82. How much money do you have, scum? When did you ever work? When did you ever work? Although I'm sure maybe you have that investment scheme like Nancy Pelosi. 
who invests in companies that the government is forced to invest in. That's perfectly legal, too. Only if your company is based in Delaware. But now you're going to come out and you're going to demonize people who were earn their money, honestly. Because all the other ones have been bribing you. They're already protected. And there's enough Americans that buy this BS. Most of them are the ones who have suffered under Democrat mafia rule for their life. Most of them are those ones who have that sense of futility, of hopelessness, of ghetto life that the Democrat Party built. They're buying this without understanding. Joe Biden isn't going to spread the wealth. He's not going to take from one and give to other. He's going to take. He's going to print up debt so you can never get out of that ghetto. He's going to keep you stupid and loyal and dependent. And he's going to keep shoveling this BS so you keep voting for Democrat. Right, Chicago? If you can make a million or a billion dollars, that's great. God bless you. All I'm asking is you pay your fair share. So now we're going to have a class war, warfare. Okay, let's have one. All of you roaches, all of you roaches that are living on welfare where the government pays your rent, where the government buys your food, where the government pays your health care, what do you do for your fair share? What do you do for anybody else? See, because the real face of selfishness is the face of the socialist who does nothing, who contributes nothing, who is good for nothing. Of course, unless you want to talk about carjacking statistics, they're very good for that. You want to talk about crime, and you want to talk about the, the, the villages that are paid very, very well, very, very high, to maintain those so-called areas that I call ghettos. They're called Democrat hubs. A frustrated viewer reached out to us multiple times this summer about his disgusting neighborhood viaduct. He sent us pictures showing his sidewalk blocked by garbage on different days, and it's hardly the only walkway with this stinky problem. Now, does that municipality make less money than the municipality in Uptown or Bucktown? How does it work there? See, this is how the ghetto and the politician promising you to tax the rich and redistribute the wealth this is what it really looks like. You don't have to go to Venezuela or Cuba, although you should. You don't have to see what it was like or imagine what it was like when Bernie Sanders was going to communist CCP. You don't have to go, go far back to realize the kind of turmoil that Nazi Germany created, the kind of genocide that it always leads to. You could just go to the Democrat areas that are controlled right here in this country. kind of looks the same. It's like, uh, what do they call it, post-apocalyptic? That's what it looks like in the government ghettos, where they're redistributing wealth. How's it working? 312-642-5600. 61% of Americans pay zero federal taxes. 61% pay nothing. That means only 39% pay something. I was among friends today. And um, I go to, I, I don't drink and I don't play golf anymore. I go to cigar stores. That's what I like to do when I have a break. So I go to this cigar store. It's my favorite place. And I'm lucky because they're men of all different ages. Most are older. And they, uh, we started talking. We became very good friends. And it's funny. Most of them either retired or are doing very well. They are, in fact, the top earners. They represent the top earners. And uh, we were watching this, this debacle, this embarrassment 
of an American president. Not only implement the very, the very kind of public unrest and stoke a so-called class warfare, but demonize people who are, in fact, high earners. And a friend of mine said, we pay all the taxes. And he's had years where he's paid seven figures. And you think about it. What does, what does he get for that? The right to continue to be an American? I mean, what do you really get for it aside from abused? Especially when you really do break down the numbers, you know, like the science of things. So the science of things is, is really quite fascinating. The top 1% of income earners, those are people who consider to be earning more than 540000 a year. They paid 40% of all taxes, all taxes. In fact, the top 10%, those are people under that number, to the figure of 150000 they pay 71% of all the taxes. They, the, those two groups make up 71% of all taxes. So you have 61% of Americans that are beneficiaries and do nothing, contribute nothing. And do you think you can keep the society afloat as that 1% or that top 10% keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller? Well, the government that implements these extortion fees and penalties keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so do the demands of the entitled good-for-nothing who contributes nothing. See, to me, if this was a country based on fair, you know, the, the four-letter word that is really the most dangerous word in the English language, if it was fair, it would be the same. And those people who contribute nothing would receive very little of anything. See, that's fair. You're not entitled to anything except freedom and equal treatment by the government. That's what you're entitled to. That's what's fair. And if the people were interested in restraining government, what they would do is limit what one man should ever contribute to the government. One man. I don't care what he creates because what they want you to take your eye off, they want you to hate the man, which it's easy to hate people. It's easy to point out somebody. We all have failures and we all have qualities that are you know, worthy of being... Uh, despised everybody does we're human beings i mean you can watch the local news and see what the the bottom half of the country really looks like when it gets dark at night you could see the crime and the mayhem and you could see the corruption in government that's supposed to be the fairest in the land after all the democrats are the fairest just listen to them they they know what fair is Lori lightfoot knows what fair is all of them know the reality is if you had a system that rewarded the people who did well and punish the people that didn't do well, you might have a system where we did better. Rather than one where the biggest problem among people on food stamps is obesity. Makes sense, though. What the hell they got to do? Except sit around and eat all day. They're not paying for it. Might as well live it up. After all, that's fair. Pay your fair share. Just like middle class folks do. But that isn't happening now. See, now middle class folks actually pay way more than their fair share because middle class folks are too busy working raising families to hire the best accountants in the world to open up Delaware tax havens where Joe Biden re was rewarded for protecting for stoking for creating 
How else do you think he knew to divert the $10 million from his bribery tour slash speaking engagements or book sales? Diverted $10 million to avoid the taxes. And every moron Democrat, every single one, stands up and cheers for this kind of speech, this kind of uh, hatred towards your fellow man. They like this because you can demonize that 1% when what you should be doing is praising them. For those are the ones that really make America work. It's through their capital investments that private individuals have a chance at having a better life. Otherwise, you'd have the utopia of all statists. You'd have to be in on the scam. You'd need a clout guy. You'd have to get a municipal job. And you could sit on your fat ass, not all of them, and wait for your pension to kick in while never really delivering the services you're supposed to, especially if those neighborhoods aren't the ones that keep you flowing. What an insider Lauren Victory shows us how the city responds to these filthy complaints. Viewers have grumbled to us about nasty pigeon poo, concerning cracks, and peeling paint. You've all seen it. Driving around the city of Chicago, does it look like the utopia of fairness, the utopia of equality that they keep shoving down your throat? 312-642-5600. I'll be back. Imagine if the more you failed, the better you did, the more power you got, the more money you got. The more you wasted it, the more you got. In fact, your failure failure was now the excuse to constantly get more. You would be working in the government, and you would be benefiting from waste, fraud, and abuse. There are people out there that are putting up a fight Guys like Jonathan Bidlack, Policy Director for Governance, Resident Senior Fellow at R Street, Founder and President of the Coalition to Reduce Spending, and the creator of SpendTracker.org. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you do very, very well. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, and I hope so too. I mean, the reality is we are in this reality where it feels like We cannot push back the Leviathan, that it has been rewarded for bad policies, for bad spending, for terrible decisions, and the American people have been put in a box, a straitjacket, where we're just going to sink into this quicksand. How can we stop it? It it is funny. It really does seem that way sometimes. You know, that when when something goes well, uh, the argument is, well, we need to give them more money. Uh, But when something doesn't go well, the argument is, well, it just didn't go well because they didn't have enough money. So the solution always seems to be, you know, let's go and uh, let's give them more. And I think that, you know, part of the problem as I see it is that uh, so many people who are, who are voting for spending in Washington are doing so without any real sense of accountability. You know, the average voter can't really know in an easy way um, what, you know, their, their member of Congress is voting for, how much they're voting for, whether or not they agree with it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned at the, at the outset, you know, my creating spendingtracker.org, the basic idea there was to create a tool where you can look up your member of Congress and see how much they're, uh, how much they're voting to spend and, uh, and on what, and then decide for yourself whether or not you're okay with, uh, okay with those votes. But, um, but I do think that's a big part of the problem is that there just isn't the level of accountability that we really need for our elected officials. And, you know, when you started, you said when things go well, 
we want them to have more. And I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I mean, it sounds funny, but I'm trying to think, what do the, does government do? Does the American government do, the macro-federal government? What does it do that it does well? Well, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, I think we all will acknowledge that there are, there are things that, you know, government perhaps is, uh, you know, uniquely uh, able to do. You know, national defense, of course, being the thing that, uh, that people talk about the most. But, you know, you look at what happened recently with the Afghanistan pullout and you see how, how you know, largely incompetent it was. And, and, you know, the argument, of course, is that, well, now we just need more money. I mean, you know, we're giving the Pentagon three quarters of a trillion dollars every single year. It's and insanity. we still can't go and ensure that, 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 that we have an orderly pullout and make sure that American citizens are safe. And so, you know, to your point, I think that's the problem. And, and, mm. and you know, I'll even go one step further and say that, you know, when you operate under a budget, when you actually have some sense of restraint, that's when you, when you tend to go and, and operate more efficiently. But we have segments of government that basically have no restraint. And as a result, they don't need to go and, uh, and treat our tax dollars with respect. Well, it only costs us $85 billion to get the Taliban out of the 7th century. At least they don't look like they're in an Alibaba and the 50 Thieves movie. So there is an upside, Jonathan. I mean, let's not be totally <laughs> negative. But when you look at um, bureaucracies that are incentivized to extort the worker, when you look at OSHA, when you look at the EPA, when you look at the IRS, which in essence is allowed to keep 50% of the fines they levy on businesses, on top of that, we're giving them a 3% annual kicker in perpetuity. Compound interest and the devil that it, that it is has made these bureaucracies thousands and thousands and thousands of foot soldiers strong. Every, pro- well, every president in my lifetime has been elected saying he's going to go through a red, li- red line, uh, item line veto and get out of the waste. Nobody does it. What's our no, alternative? Right. What can you we know- do? Yeah, it, you know, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, the true cost of government oftentimes is much bigger than the sticker price that you see, you know. I mean, people talk about, you know, this program costs this much or that program is going to cost that much. But you forget about the cost of compliance or the burden that's placed on the private sector or just, uh, you know, the, the fact that the IRS has to, you know, collect the, collect these tax dollars or whatever it may be. Um, so, so the actual opportunity cost of a government program um, is really much larger than it's often thought about. And, and you know, I think, I think many of us recognize that, you know, this is why trying to encourage private sector solutions to solve problems rather than just immediately turning to the public sector is so critical. I think that Americans have to start to reassess what they view and how, how they view the, the proper you know, size and scope of government. And that if, if all we do is just demand that whenever there's a problem, government needs to step in, um, you know, that's, that's not really encouraging creative thinking. And that's not to say that there aren't cases where, you know, it may be appropriate for a government role, but, but I don't think that our default should always be to just turn to government. And that, that to me is a really big part of the problem. A couple months ago, I was in traffic smoking a cigar like I like to do. And I watched a at least $750,000 brand new truck. Now, it's Illinois. Illinois has been bankrupt since before you were born. Illinois is a sewer. Brand new truck, 750000 towing two little Caterpillar, brand new, um, lawn cutting for a corner that the state owned. I saw four guys in there, four guys, four health cares, four pensions, million and a half, $2 million worth of equipment. Get out, there wasn't a one of them under 300 pounds, that's a sidebar. And I was thinking to myself, how much better it would be for society 
if just they hired private landscapers, how much better it would be for the citizens of Illinois who wouldn't have to bear the burden of all of that cost. And in fact, you then would separate the money. See, there's, there's this misconception in Keynesianism that I think most people don't get. Once the pool of private sector money is tainted with government debt, it is never the same. Can we still unweave this Keynesian soiree of fraud to where the private sector, if we privatize things like that, cutting the lawn, doing the paint, cleaning the streets, could you maybe get back to some sense of a private economy, or are we just on this path of Venezuela? Well, you know, I'm an eternal optimist, and uh, I do think that, you know, what you're pointing to, looking for opportunities where where private sector individuals can go and uh, address problems is part of the solution. You know, there there are some people in Washington that, that advocate for what they call the yellow pages test. And the basic idea is that if you can find if you can find someone in the yellow pages who can do this for you, then government shouldn't be doing it. And I think that that's actually a pretty good rule of thumb. I think that you know, we again have this situation where, where you know, we turn to government rather than thinking about, hey, there are other people out there that can do this, you know, more, uh, more efficiently. And and I think you know there are there are a lot of people who look at government and they they, they say that it's it's evil. Um, and you know that, that that may be the case in certain cases. Um, but I think there's also just again, it's a it's a lot of um, you know self-interestedness and a lot of um, you know not really having the price signals that exist in the private sector. And so as a result. You know, all of these things end up costing a heck of a lot more. And, and you might say, you know, Jonathan, well, why does it matter? Why should we always be focused on being efficient? And the reason is that we only have so many resources. So if we're wasting stuff over here, it means we can't spend it on something that might be utterly worthwhile over there. And, and that's, you know, that's, I think, a, a big part of the problem, again, is that people don't understand um, the, these kinds of trade-offs uh, when it comes to, you know, public sector spending. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a diabolical system that we've allowed happen because we've allowed the least the least competent, the most corrupt, take control of the biggest decisions of the public money, and now we're to a point where they're guaranteeing me that they're going to spend more than they should through policies of continuing that uh, eternal figure eight of government debt and spending showing up as if it was a private economy win. And uh, I, I'm just hoping that there's enough American citizens who demand that there be a separation between government debt, created spending, and future taxation and our true economic growth. Because without it, I feel like we are, in fact, going to drown in that quicksand. I'm optimistic, but I'm also old. And I don't want to be old in a Soviet Union. I'm not going to look good and gray. I like to be tan with shorts and enjoy myself. So I hope that guys like you win, and I want to thank you so much for creating SpendingTracker.org. And uh, keep it up and come back on again and let us know. We're going to talk healthcare next time you're on because I can't even imagine what that's going to end up like. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to it, and uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. There's another reason that I loathe government-controlled economies. The oligarchs, the ones that have bastardized our system, profit. Powell orders ethics review after Fed, Fed presidents disclose multi-million dollar investments. See, their Fed chair, there's all these little presidents all around the country. They know how the money's going to be spent. They're all enriching themselves to the tunes of millions, front-running, 
through investing in companies of which they're handing millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions. This is corporatism. This is how oligarchs not only get rich, but stay rich while keeping you down. And then they implement taxation, which guarantees you can never get ahead. That's why the number two plank in the Communist Manifesto is a progressive tax. Verlan on the south side. Sean, you know your problem is you make too much sense. But you know you just stepped <laughs> on the third That's the first time I heard that. Right? What's that? You just, you just stepped on the third world. You cannot say what you just said, that 61% of this country is takers and a small percentage are makers. Hey, I just called you to save you from yourself because you just stepped one foot into crazy stuff. And I don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> Thank you very much, Verlan. I appreciate you looking out for me. But this show is not for everybody. It's like the truth. It's not for everybody. There's people out there right now, five foot four, no neck, beanbag with a pumpkin on it, pretending to be president or a governor and a man. And he's going to, by the way, he's going to run for president. Because do you know what the kind of failure that Illinois represents is a qualification in the Marxist mafia? for president believe me when i tell you jb pritzker will run for president in our lifetime the joke of a man that he is but it's the truth and i know it's not popular 61 percent of this country are leeches simple walking around pretending to be entitled to something well they demonize a very small percent that pays for everything and then what they do is they damn their own children because they implement the kind of policy that would allow a government to borrow, borrow money that is really future taxation on their kids. But these are the same people that don't mind killing their kids. We're going to get to that story later. And if you're on the line, Matt, Dave, Vladimir, you know I love when you call. Take, Stay on the line. We're going to be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. All right, before I move on, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take the calls that are on the line. But the reason that I fight so hard against corporatism is this is something that the Republican establishment really perfected to a certain extent. And what that is is that they're front-running government policies. The reason that so many of these Fed presidents have passively made millions of dollars is because they had the inside information to do so. We have a real problem in this country where we allow people we deem as worthy to do whatever the hell they want. The idea that these Fed chairmen, that these Congress people, that these senators and their spouses and the rest of them, their, their little assistants, their little butter-handed Marxist assistants, are somehow able to use this information of policies that none of us have. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pages are passed into law that the representatives have not read. 
but their staffers have and their lobbyists have who put the bills together. These politicians are not writing bills. This is done by the recipients of the government cheese. This is a corrupted through and through system. And we pretend like we're forced into these decisions. Got to hurry up. Got to pass it. Can't read it. We don't know what's in it. We'll tell you after it passes. In the year 2021, they would not have pulled this on our great-grandfathers because our great-grandfathers knew the difference between right and wrong. Of course, they knew the three branches of government. You've got a moronic society that has adopted the idea it is okay for American oligarchs pretending to be politicians to steal from the American people. This is theft. This isn't government spending. This is fraud. And it's time you stand up and demand that it stops. I'm so tired of being extorted for virtue while it's rewarded for vices. And we are going down this, this communist redistribution, this fascistic rule where a fraud like Joe Biden can get up and lecture me and lecture you and tell you that he somehow has the, the definition of what fair is, the whole time his entire life represents fraud and corruption and tax avoidance and political stealing. That's who Joe Biden and the mafia Democrats are. And so are the Republicans for that matter, 80% of them. There's a reason you're starting to see the little Bush, little, little George P. Bush. He's running in Texas. He's all over Fox. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he's all over Fox? Because Paul Ryan sits on the board of that corporatist shill company that promotes an agenda of corporatism and corruption and government-backed success. So much so they want you to think there's a difference when a guy has a Brooks Brothers suit on versus a woman in man's clothing like Lori Lightfoot. It's disgraceful. Or Carl Rove, for that matter. Victoria's real secret. Matt, Mount Greenwood. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. I just want to go back to what you said about, unfortunately, obesity being rampant the, you know, amongst folks who uh, are on welfare. My wife works at a hospital in the city of Chicago, and she used to get upset with me because they said only in America could you have a 400-pound welfare recipient. She came home one evening. She goes, I got to tell you something. I go, what's that? She said, we just had a woman over 420 pounds give birth. I go, oh, my God. The poor thing couldn't take care of herself, let alone a child. That insult to injury, several months later, a woman that weighed 537 pounds gave birth. Again, who are these guys that are knocking up these bean bags? Can you tell me who these desperados are? How do you look at a woman that's 500 pounds and you say, I'll tell you what, you're kind of doing it for me there, big girl. I don't know. There's some freaks hey, man, out there, every, huh? every lid's got a pot, though, right? I guess so, Matt, but that's not good news. None of that's good news. Um, but that does explain why the welfare recipient is allotted $835 a month for food, while the average American family of four spends $535. Got to spend that money somewhere. I mean, of course, that's if you're not going to the store on the corner that pretends to sell groceries and gives you 50 cents cash on the food stamp dollar. Boy, are they loving this administration. Whew, the scams that are going on, huh? That's, that explains the skinny drug addict. Of course, he is also lumped into that 61% of good for nothing. No sense of fairness there. All right. Bob Parkridge. Yep. How are you? Yes, hi. Sean, haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, 
Are you there? Okay. I'm here. Go go right ahead, uh, Bob. Well, okay. No, I just the uh, I'm 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 a Catholic. You know, I'm, I'm a long time university graduate, Loyola, with all the Jesuits are. Anyway, uh, the uh, I want to get your comment on the uh, the Pope uh, trying to say to the Hungarian Prime Minister, you got to let more people in. And the Hungarian Prime Minister said, no, no way, we're keeping this Hungarian. And uh, I think the Catholic Bob, Church I have to tell you, and, and, I, and I mean this. They're ridiculous. The, the yeah. Pope is a Marxist. So. Well, and that's what I was going anyway, to say to you, Bob. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the call. And, Bob, I have to tell you, with all due respect, and I, and I, I, I met you, I like you, I respect you, I don't call myself a Catholic because of these kind of things. And I don't mean because I'm opposed to immigration. I'm not. In fact, I'm looking forward to the idea that refugees from uh, Talabadistan, formerly Afghanistan, will be like the refugees from Cambodia, some of the best Americans ever, because they understand what it's like to live under delusional demagogues. They understand it. So I, I'm optimistic that they will take advantage of the American dream if we still have one for them. I'm hoping that they do the right thing, but I don't think they're our problem. I think the American, the 61% of non-contributing entitled leeches are the problem. I always like when, when people come to this country and take advantage of the freedom and liberty. It's not good when they take advantage of the corruption. It's not good when they take advantage of the welfare. But to your broader point about a pope, I think this pope is, is an embarrassment on many levels, not just because he's an absolute and total communist. But to me, he doesn't represent Catholicism the way that I understood it. No, 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 admittedly, I left it in high school. But my mother-in-law is, is, is a wonderful human being and a, and a very strong Catholic. I cannot find an excuse in my head to ignore what the Catholic Church has done for the last hundred years. It is a pedophile underground. Sorry, it just is. I have, to, I have to digest and say the truth of what I know of it, of what we all know of it. It has aided and abetted pedophiles. Game over. It's also one of the richest entities on the planet that continues to pretend to sell grace, and I have no tolerate. No, I cannot tolerate that. I have no tolerance for that. None. So what this pope does, I'm not, I'm not up on it because I think he's nowhere near infallible. In fact, I think he's a roach. I think he's a communist, and until he's gone, I'm not going to pay a damn bit of attention to that organization that should be incorporated in Delaware, where Joe Biden would have liked to give them tax-free status. That's just me, not always popular, but always truthful. Harry, New Mexico. Yeah, hi, Sean. How you doing? Wonderful. How are you? All right. My comment is that none of this is ever going to change because... uh, Unless we impose term limits, these people are just going to keep going after this like it's a, a full-time so, job, which is never intended to be. So, but, Harry, who, make, we can't impose that. They have to pass the law, right? So you're at this position have, where you're asking to pick. the Constitution of the states, though. Yeah, and, we, and you're the, right. We could do that, and we could get two-thirds. And the Constitutional Convention is what you're, or Convention of the States is what you're referring right. to. Right. You, do you know why they imposed a four, a, a two-term limit on uh, the presidency? Well, it was imposed by by George Washington. They didn't impose it. He no. did. No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. A two-term presidency 
didn't come about until after FDR. Because he created... Oh, right. Well, he, he created it was a, established as tradition, created, then he abused it. Yes, you're right. You're right. The, it was father, the father of American socialism put us in a, uh, in a depression within a depression yeah. by his economic ignorance. Absolutely. And, it's, why, the, it's why the depression lasted in America far longer than anywhere else, and I couldn't agree right, more with, with it. with the Smoot-Hawley tariff and all that stuff that went on with that. But here's the thing, Harry, that I want to change. I, I like this idea, but I also realize the unlikely, the, the fact that it's not going to happen. But here's what I do think can happen, because this is where we ironically agree with many of the walking zombie communists. And I agree with them. Sometimes they're right. It is to crush lobbying and political prostitution. It is to destroy and stop rewarding the political whores we pretend are senators and congressmen. That's how Joe Biden got in this position. He was one of the most successful at prostituting the powers of government. So I want to board up K Street and free up Main Street. That's why the, the greatest cancer in this country, you could argue about politics and politicians, but by far the greatest cancer in this country is lobbying and lobbyists. They have destroyed capitalism. They have destroyed Americanism, and they must be driven into the ocean. That's what I think. Thank you very much, as Harry. Long as, as, as long as they can um, take from those who produce, trickle, it, trickle some of it back to those who don't produce, while they make sure they pocket plenty for themselves, nothing is going to change. Yeah, that's, that's the cover story. But what they're really doing is bribing policy and buying politicians, and it needs to stop. And this is something we come together with on the American Zombie Communist. So for that instance, we need to figure out how to do that very, very successfully. Because I've had enough of pretending these pimps of the political prostitution are somehow achieving something for America, for freedom, for capitalism. They are destroying it. And the Republican Party is proud of it. They should be ashamed of themselves. It's an outright, out-in-the-light, absolute fraud. Kevin in Austin, Texas. Sean, I'm going to uh, say what I always say. If, I, I want to ask you, how do you make these changes? And that's a rhetorical question, because the answer is until people who own small businesses get involved in local politics, find out who their local so, uh, Republican so you, committee you answered your own question. is and all that. You answered yeah, your own I question. I know, but it's because it's, it's so frustrating because if people, if those people, it's the, for the precinct project that's out there, if those people get involved, if you get down in the local politics, people who own small businesses, otherwise, I mean, whoever... Well, here's this. How many Democrats... Whoever pays the, pays the piper calls the tune. How many Democrats are aware of, of who Elizabeth Warren has not only been paid off by for the last 30 years, but who every one of her policies benefits? How many of them know that she is interwoven with banking, with insurance, that she has been a political whore for her entire career, and that she has profited yeah. to the tunes of tens of millions, along with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, yeah. ironically, is bribed by oil companies. Bribed. And not just in the Jesse Jackson, here's some money, shut up. He, right, he's, exactly. he's had man. His wife, the banking fraud that she committed, she should be locked up, but I think she's quite too unattractive for prison. I think there is some standard up in Vermont. I'm not sure. 
and they're gonna, so there, and they're, there are different things that you can come together with on the other side. And this is these are the types of issues we need to drive home. But you're not going to do it by putting up George P. Bush and pretending he's somehow the answer to the Latin not. vote. It's preposterous, Kevin. Of course not. Of course not. The point is that small business people have to take over the Republican Party from the ground up. You cannot up. do it, and you know this, and you're calling me from Texas for a reason. You can be. Yeah. You have no effect in Democrat mafia states. So what we need to do is have the people of good conscience and good character and good quality of dignity and voting to states that strengthen that and make states like Texas and make states like like uh, uh, Florida, like Arizona, well, you can still stave it. And take that 40% of Californians and bring them over. Because what you need to do is break the ties that bind you politically to the mafia party calling themselves doc- Democrats, no- who I call the Fourth Reich. Thank you for the call. 312-642-5600. <laughs> I still got stuff I didn't get to, but I got calls. I love the calls. You know I love the calls. Can't help it. Oh, this is good. This is good. I'm going to take Dan in Skokie. How are you, Dan? I'm good, Sean. How are you? Very good. I'm looking forward to your comment. Sean, we're talking about lobbyists and how they're the problem. Lobbyists aren't the problem. The problem is that we send 40% of our income to Washington. And it attracts lobbyists to Washington like sharks are attracted to blood. We have to get rid of a system where we send all of our money to Washington. Until and unless we do that, we're doomed. Dan, you know why I wanted to take your call so bad? Do you know how many people, I, I have to tell you, like now I have, a, I have a job with the station. I've spent the vast majority of my life as the owner of the company. I never had a check. Right, So I never cashed a check that didn't have my name on it three times. I was always very proud of that. This is the first time. But when you get a paycheck, most people don't understand. The taxes that are taken out, there was a temporary fix to World War II. That's not supposed to happen. And I think if more people, Dan, had to pay taxes the way that I always paid taxes, which was to sit down with your accountant, go over what money you made, and then have him sit across from you and justify why I had to give 50% of my money to the government. Until you do that, people don't pay attention because they get used to the abuses that that is tradition. It's now tradition to have the government take your money and misappropriate it. It's now a tradition to think that you are entitled to Social Security without thinking what it really is and about the rich people that benefit and the poor people that suffer under it. So I think, I think that government has, you could say accidentally, I think it's strategically, numbed people down to feel lucky that the government allows them to keep 50% of their money. I think you've, you've successfully um, b- succeeded in conquering the American ideology in the mind of Americans. And there's few people that think of it like that. I think you have a very good point, by the way. But that's, the you're going to you're have to get them to think about money as theirs first and the government second. Then you're going to have to get them to understand a progressive tax isn't there to create fairness. It's there to create penalty, extortion, and incentivize you into behavior. So you got a lot of, you got to, you got, the American citizen has to be smarter. That's quite, you know, I read when I started the show, I don't know if you heard, 56% of the country cannot name the three branches of government. 56%. It's not good, brother. But, 
Dan, thank you, and thank you for listening. I love when a guy from Skokie calls me, and he's I, I love it, and he's right, and he's smart, and he gets it. I'm so used to them being like uh, the Wilmette Mercedes Marxists and the developers that are bribing Lori Lightfoot to build the ghettos while they profit and the people who live in them suffer. I love it. Very good. Thank you. Craig in Mount Greenwood. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. I mainly have a question for you. You know, we talk about how Florida and Texas, and there might be uh, other places, that, that, but Florida. 19 really other ones, but go ahead. Okay. Have their, okay. First, the first part of this question is, can the government mess with those? Like, uh, like Because uh, it's got to tick them off, this rotten socialist Marxist government. They must want to really hurt that and destroy it and, and, and uh, stop their ability to operate like that well, you, can you gotta, Craig you got to remember something there are more there are a lot of people in red states who are on welfare there are more you know this is people always whenever I talk about welfare the reason Verlon called is that he understands that the way that it gets twisted it gets twist twisted into race there are far more white people on welfare than any other race but what you need to understand is the ideology in these states is an ideology that is is steeped in the American individualism. That's the difference in the states. It's not necessarily welfare. So you could have a red state that is actually high in, as a recipient of welfare. But now when I say welfare, I'm including corporatism. You see, you know, Craig, why I, I when Trump was running and I would comment negatively on Trumponomics, I lost a lot of people that liked me. Or, and, I, you know, that's I don't care. I'm not going to change the way I think because Trump was wrong in many aspects of his economic policy. For instance, farmers. He made farmers, because people think of farmers like they do teachers, right? They're just the two married couple. They got the overalls on. They got the hat on. They got up real early. They go to bed real late. And that is true in a very small percentage now. Most of the farms are owned by corporations. Most of those corporations are not necess- not most, but a lot of them are not based in America. So when you're giving special... Um, tax money, and you're giving special deals to farmers, you're actually benefiting foreign corporations in a lot of the time. So I don't like corporate welfare any more than I like individual welfare. But you have to have the American person understand that and understand that if it was all privatized, even welfare, if welfare was turned over to various groups, whether no matter what they are, but they were groups, private, the welfare system would be better. That only under a government orchestrated anything do you have the kind of corruption and failure that you get every single time. And there are people out there who say, you know, socialism has never really been tried. You're morons. Of course it is. It's always tried. It's here in America. It's been here for 70 years. It never works. It's like green energy. It never works. It's five times more expensive than you say. It never delivers the result that's promised. What it does do is take away your opportunity and devastate people that never partook in it because it is now used as a weapon against people who would never be on it, have never been on it, and will never be on it. It is used to strengthen the frauds that have corrupted, bastardized, and profit from the failure. We call them government. And you keep electing the same morons that keep doing the same thing to us. So until the ideology changes... It's going to be the same result. But here's something. Both us and the far left agree lobbying must be reined in. Companies have got to stop writing bills that politicians vote on. It has to go back to how dare you, how dare you pass a law you didn't read. Everything they did like that is unconstitutional. It's not a law.
it needs to be ripped out. 312-642-5600. All right, so I just got this hot off the AM560 press. Tonight, you can help preserve freedoms by joining AM560's John Anthony, love him, Mark Vargas, like him, alongside Rod Blagojevich. I don't know, Rod. Till you write a tell-all book. I got my eye on you, kid. Gary Rabine, you're too damn good for this state. Nick Richmond, don't know him. And medical experts for learning. Libations. Libations. That's drinking. Prof must have wrote this. And Liberty, presented by Freedom Initiative Now. The networking kicks off at 530 at the Meridian in Rolling Meadows. For tickets starting at $15 and all the details, visit freedominitiative.net. That's freedominitiative.net. And I mean, I, I want to like Rod Blagojevich, but I don't. Because you sat there the whole time, operating under that BS your father-in-law created. Passing all that socialist BS, telling me how great it was for me. Lying about the condition economically of Illinois. And then when you got put in the, on ice for shaking down hospitals, you said, oh, it's, it's, it's policy as usual. We'll be better than the, than the Democrat mafia way of life. So I'm not buying the whole mea culpa, but that's just me. Hard to please. Can't help it. Don in Bloomingdale. Hey, Sean, the only salvation we have as oh, far as nice, Washington goes. Nice. Go ahead. What? I want you to Sean, be nice because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. The only salvation we have as far as Washington goes is these guys aren't going to live forever. Eventually they're going to die. But then you got guys like Denny Hassard who has millions of dollars to pay to a kid that he molested to keep his mouth shut, but nobody's asking the question is, where's the guy from central Illinois get millions of dollars ooh, to pay ooh, hush ooh, money? Ooh, pick me. I know. I know how he did it. He front-ran <laughs> government land buys. That's how he did it, like Abraham Lincoln. He knew where the money was going to go to buy land for various projects. He swept in there with somebody he just practiced parking with in the Forest Preserve, nothing nefarious, and he bought the land and upsold it at three times the percent to the government while he negotiated for him. That's how he made the money, and he was able to pay off the kid he molested. He's a good guy. Remember, what was it, eight years ago when he was on trial? He had the cane. They were helping him in the wheelchair. He's never going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. He's laughing all the time right now. In some island, he's nicknamed Boys Town. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Don. Despicable. Jack, Edison Park. Hey, Sean. Uh, we moved on from why I originally called. I was going to tell you that my whole family just quit the Catholic Church because our son goes to a Jesuit university, and they made him get the jab that would give him a religious exemption. But I wanted to tell you one story about the taxes coming with the Democrats. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but Ronald Reagan made $100,000 per movie in his heyday, and he would only make two. Because yes, he would make two hundred thousand dollars. The effective well this tax thing, yeah. rate, yeah, yeah he, he, the effective tax rate was ninety percent for every dollar over two hundred thousand. So when they say they're not going to raise taxes on anybody under four hundred thousand, you're already paying thirty three percent. But every dollar you make over that, we're going to be back to the seventy percent tax rate. Jack, he tells that story in a book he wrote, one of my favorite books. And when I when my kids were little, I would drive everywhere. And, I, you know, we'd go on vacation, we'd drive, and I would buy them on tape. This is how long ago it was, cassette tape. And I bought the book, 
that book on tape to just re-listen to it after I had read it years before. And it was his voice. He's reading it. It's just a phenomenal book, and he tells the story. It's a wonderful story. But I'm more interested in what you had further said. So you wanted your son to get the exemption from the, from the vaccine under religious reasons. And what happened at a Catholic university? So it's Creighton University in Omaha. It's a Jesuit university, and he asked for a religious exemption. And they said, you either get the jab by August 7th or you're going to be disenrolled. And he did get the jab, uh, and he got very ill from it. He had to go to the emergency room, and now he's got an exemption, and I take the second one. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've got kids in college, and they, they, leveraged, um, they leverage all the kids. It's something to see. And, uh, and the amazing it's, it's part unfortunate. What you do, the, here's, the, here's the alternative, Jack. When you're under this kind of government oppression, you have to start to think. And I'm lucky enough in my life, I know enough Eastern Europeans who had to live under the Soviet rule. So you now have to think like them. And you have to understand this is the America you're living in now, where not only will the class warfare be what's used as an excuse to extort good people and intimidate and rob them, but you're going to have to operate under the guise of a watchful government that's always prying, always looking. You're going to have to start to think like them if you're going to survive. And uh, it's a shame you didn't Well, the amazing part about Creighton University is that the teachers and staff are exempt. They don't, the, the, the jab is optional for them. But well, now you, you make sure your son knows under a Soviet system, under a Marxist system, under a communist system, there are two sets of rules. One's for the slaves and one's for the master. Let him understand that. This is a good opportunity to teach him the difference. And I hope he uh, has no long-term repercussions. Thank you, Jack, for the call. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's funny. I, was, I don't know if I said it yesterday. I might have. I've got a headache, so you'll forgive me. Watching the, the, the vaccine, the commercials for the vaccine, for the shingles. Watch at what it tells you could happen after you take that vaccine. And then explain to me why the government and the pro-vaccine people want you to think there are none. There are none. Don't worry. None. It's fine. It's good. We know it didn't work. We know it doesn't work, and that's why we got to have everybody forced into it because it doesn't work. If it worked, you wouldn't care who was unvaccinated. And you wouldn't be selling me this, this booster stuff if it worked. But whatever. We know it doesn't work. All right. Paul in Westville. Misty's so mad. I had her cut so many clips. We've got to use them. Paul, how are you? Hey, Mega Maduro to you there, buddy. Um, born and raised Catholic. I can say this without wondering if I'm saying it's true. heard a guy named John Burke on his, pod, on his uh, YouTube video today compared uh, Catholicism to Islam. He said Islam isn't good. He said but at least they hold true to their principles where Catholicism has wavered throughout the century. And I well, there's that two really- ways to think about that, right? If I follow this guy's logic, he, it would be based on the assumption that all of the so-called rules, the ones that were made by priests who profited from the rules, well, they pretended to represent grace and the path to heaven that they don't. Well, they lied. Well, they made meat. Can't eat meat on Friday because they wanted it, right? They, they, right. they outlawed marriage because they didn't want to deal with inheritance, so they were able to keep I, everything from the priest's thing. So, Paul, I, I understand the, the what's the proper word for it. Not justification, equivocation game, maybe, if only we didn't give up our rules. But the Catholic system that we know of has been an underground railroad for pedophiles for 100 years. How do we not know it's a 1,000? 
How do we not right. know? No, I, I, and I totally agree with you. Yeah. That's why I walked away from the faith because I've looked into it and I was disillusioned and I was sad. So, hey, I think it's you, a shame, um, Paul, because the older I get, and I mean this, the older I get, the more I can't stand any of it the more I recognize right. it for the swindle that it really is. You know, I had a guy who apparently said he liked the show, whatever. He was mad at me because I made fun of um, the Magic Underpants Mitt Romney. And when you know about that religion in particular, it makes Scientology look like Socrates. But they don't like yeah. to be made fun of. So, you know, in the email, he's, we're, he's, we're going back and forth with an email. He's emailing me. And at the end, he says, I hope you get raped by 17 devils. I said, well... What else do I expect from a guy who not only thinks he's going to be Jesus in his own planet if he wears burlap underpants, but the religion says, go ahead, marry more than one woman. Now, any religion that was really selling heaven wouldn't be selling you more than one wife. Thank you very much, Paul, for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Bill Tinley Park. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Uh, yeah, the, the gentleman who had his son enrolled in a Jesuit college who wouldn't honor a religious exemption, why didn't he just sue him? Why, why, why are people selling out for the jab? See, Bill, I think like you. Slope. I think like you it's now. They got to stop. I think, it back. <laughs> I think like you now, right? Like, let's get the lawyers. In fact, I, I think it was Monday. I said it's time we start suing and all this. But think about it, Bill, from the standpoint of just, I don't know what your background is or what you do, but from just like a regular guy who works every day, who wants to have a nice life. Do you even want to deal with the lawyers? You know, the you lawyers. Any other options? Other no, I, I agree. But it. I, I'm I'm optimistic in the law. I always love the when, law, but I also realize to empower them. That's the problem. No, I listen, Bill. I agree with you. I'm not arguing with you, but I'm just saying for a minute. Think about a regular guy who knows when he hires a lawyer. He's lucky if he has to pay him six hundred an hour, and then think about how many lawyers out there actually understand that law is my shield, not their weapon. And so, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. Hmm. Mr. Hutt, do you know you're not wearing any pants? What? Ah, I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. See, I don't want to deal with him either. 312-642-5600. This is when um, my old producer with the stains on his shirt, Macbeth, would say, Can you even see the rails from where you are? It's all right, though. I got a headache. It's Thursday, and I want the people to talk. This is a show for the people. See, we're not the only... The communists aren't the only one that can do that people stuff. I got two Daves on the board. Dave in Downers Grove. Hey, hey, Sean. Hey, listen, right. I got to make this good. I found out yesterday with my neighbor, Russ. Uh, listen. Anyways, um, I just want to say I'm proud not to be a leech. That's something the leech can't say, because once you take the government cheese, the government takes any pride you might have had at the time. I agree, with I agree with you, Dave, what 100%. You? Well, I hope you do. Anyways, uh, um, what I wanted to say, what I, what I started out wanting to talk about, we, we're making it too complicated for these people. They're simple-minded. We just need to explain to them everything they say is just the opposite. Yeah. No one going to Planned Parenthood is claiming I'm being a parent. No. No one in underserved communities aren't served. Yeah. They're served free food, Dave, free housing. Free that's medical. why... You're right, Dave, 100%. That's why in my old neighborhood there was a place called the Pool Hall, and they didn't play pool. Dave and Wheaton, we got about 20 seconds, kid. Okay. Carol Shakespeare did a study, 2004, asked Dan Prof. The public school system run by these Marxists and communists, yeah. like you're saying, 
hundred times worse child molesters than the Catholic Church. Okay, but they, they've been, they haven't been doing it for so long, and that includes women and students that are men. When I was a kid, that was one of my goals. All right, we'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. One of the, my favorite things about America and Americanism is that in this country, law is to be my shield. Now, unfortunately, that principle has been bastardized, and it has become the spear of the Fourth Reich, as I call them. You could call them Democrats. We could refer to them as corporatists or socialists or Marxists. It all fits. We're going to need good lawyers to reestablish the American principles we love. Thomas More Society provides those lawyers. Special counsel Chris Ferrara of the Thomas More Society. I wanted to bring him on to discuss the idea of really good news is that doctors and nurses were able to sue New York. So they were not forced, mandated, coerced into the vaccine. How are you, Chris? I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Well, Happy I, to be here. I appreciate you coming. Because the reality is I'm going to need people like you and your organization to help reestablish the American principles I'm relying on to um, fight off what I think is, is statism on steroids under this new American government. So this is actually a very good sign. Is it not? And does it have hope of setting a precedent? Well, I think the judiciary, specifically the federal judiciary, applying federal law, including the federal constitution is the last line of defense against what I view as a form of institutional insanity. I think in the press release, it said something to the effect that it's time to put a straitjacket on this insanity and the federal judiciary is the way to do it. They're out of control, these COVID regimes. And these are people who think that they can get away with anything because they think nobody will stop them. But this time they crossed the line and the TRO, the temporary restraining order we obtained, uh, from the federal court basically says step back and so for now they have to step back and we'll see what happens as the case unfolds is this also good news for people such as myself who i am not going to be coerced or, or forced i'm lucky i'm not being forced to by my employer as of yet is this good news for people like me who want to um, not only think this is for nurses and doctors but to think this is for the ordinary american citizen um, well, the principles apply respect. across the board. No one should be compelled against his religious beliefs, and that's the issue in this case, to take a vaccine he does not want and probably doesn't need unless he's in a high-risk group and cannot take because of its connection to abortion or some other religious reason related to vaccination. You know, another reason that's religious in nature is a risk-benefit analysis. Catholic Church teaches and other denominations teach and Islam teaches that if you're going to be medicated with something, if you're going to be inoculated with a certain substance, you have the right in conscience to make a risk-benefit analysis. What will this do for me in terms of benefit? What are the risks to me? And if you conclude, and only you can do this, it's not the state's decision, 
that this would be harmful to you potentially, or that in some way it would defile you, because a lot of people think that about vaccination, although my clients are not anti-vaxxers, you have the right to take a risk-benefit analysis and say to yourself, I'm not taking this vaccine. It's a matter of religious conviction. So that's another element, too. It isn't just the connection to abortion. But let me stress that my clients have made it clear, and these are medical professionals who know about vaccines. They're not anti-vaxxers. They're anti-state-compelled vaccination that violates their religious consciences. Are you troubled um, at what you see so often in so many topics that it has become kind of that Soviet rule where you're entitled to your opinion as long as you agree with the state? But in so many instances, we are no longer entitled to our own opinion. And I like that you won. And I like that it it is falling under the religious exemption. I would be more comfortable if it didn't need the religious exemption, but just held weight because I am in charge of the property of my body, of my life. And I'm wondering, are we just going to have to go towards the way of of religious exemption, which I'm fine with. I'll I'll say, okay, for religious purposes. But I want to use this for other, other atrocities. You know, there's an argument to be made for bodily autonomy, for the lack of informed consent, i.e. state-imposed coercion, as a violation of equal protection under the law. I mean, that's an argument that has to be made. But our specialty is defense of religious liberty in pro-life contexts and otherwise. So our angle on this is that people have a right as believers who object to forcible vaccination with abortion-connected vaccines have a right to refuse those vaccines. You know, what we're seeing is completely unprecedented in the history of this nation, and I would say in the history of civilization. Never, absolutely never that I can see, has a government ever tried to make vaccination a condition for existence in society. Without the vaccine, you can't be employed. Without the vaccine, you can't go into a restaurant. You can't attend a sporting event or a concert or go to a museum. Unless you get this novel vaccine that did not exist until the beginning of this year, whose efficacy is waning, by the way, everyone is admitting this now, and whose side effects are very serious in many cases, uh, it's, it's absolutely staggering to me that this is happening, and with such rapidity. We've never seen anything like this before. I feel the same way about um, about the situation. However, I am noticing, are you getting the kind of press coverage that you thought you would get um, from this victory? Or this I think it's, it's extensive. Uh, CNN mentioned it, and other so-called legacy media or mainstream outlets have, have mentioned it. Uh, so I think the, the press coverage has been considerable. Uh, I'm not sure how much press coverage I expected, but this is significant. It, it shows that with the assistance of the federal judiciary, you can stop this fanaticism concerning this vaccine. It makes no scientific sense to be forcing people, especially in low-risk groups, to be vaccinated against their will, only to tell them that they have to be protected from the unvaccinated. Which is the ultimate insult. And the vice president said, this just shows something mysterious is happening here when the state tries to force you to be vaccinated with a particular substance and then tells you that you need to be protected from those who aren't vaccinated doesn't make any sense. What's the point of the vaccination? They're admitting that it doesn't work is what they're really doing. But I also um, have a question because I'd like to pivot for just a minute. I think the greatest atrocity in America and really around the world is this notion that abortion is somehow justifiable 
And what I really loathe about it is that I am a taxpayer. I cannot stand the idea that my money that I work for, that is extorted from me, is used to pay for what I think is the greatest atrocity on earth. Why is this allowed in a country that that principle alone is supposed to prevent my money from going to enrich who I view as murderers? Mother Teresa once said that a country that legalizes the mass murder of unborn children in the womb is a country with no future. And I, I think that's wise advice. And I think I, I think that everyone should take into consideration what's going on in the abortion industry. These vaccines are connected to that crime. These vaccines would not exist if not for the fact that children who are the victims of abortion have their bodies commercially exploited to produce cell lines, which in certain cases are actually used to generate the content of the vaccine, or at least they're used to test the proof of concept or for development of the vaccines. And you're absolutely right. This is killing. It's killing of innocence. Or, to put it more plainly, murder. That's what Catholics believe. That's what this attorney believes. And I represent clients who have the same belief. Does the American government have the authority? Is it, is it in fact, constitutional to take from people who believe like I do and just simply say, too bad, we're going to take and we're going to use for this atrocity? Or do we have a legal well, ground yeah. to fight on that principle? Yeah, I mean, Roe versus Wade has been criticized from its inception. Uh, the decision that invented a right that doesn't exist. Uh, there are indications that the Supreme Court will begin cutting back uh, on Roe, if not uh, absolutely overruling it as something that was founded on an ill-considered notion of numbers emanating from the 14th Amendment, largely ignorant of the science of the period of gestation. We now know that from the moment of conception, the entirety of that person's physical development is present in the DNA. And who's going to draw a line to say when human life begins? The state? By what right does the state do that? When you hear fools, reporters, and others say that it is ingrained in the constitutional, or it is a constitutional right, it is ingrained in the Constitution, where does this apply? How does this talking point get repeated and regurgitated when it is clearly a false lie that it is not a constitutional right for a mother to slaughter her child? How is this, why does this keep happening? Well, this is the basic claim of the pro-life movement, and it's a well-founded claim. There is no such right. Uh, listen, either it's the killing of an innocent human being or it isn't. This is a binary issue. Yes or no. Is the child in the womb at any stage of development a human being? And as I said moments ago, no one has the right to decide that question and pass a law or create a right that involves the destruction of life in the womb. That is a, a sacred precinct that should be inviolable, and it's a terrible tragedy that so many lives have been lost to this abominable crime, as the Second Vatican Council called it, and as John Paul II called it, and as my clients believe. Do you have enough faith in federalism to think that the Texas six-week ban will hold up, or are you are you concerned that it won't? Are we still a, a country steeped on the state's rights to create their own laws? Well, there will be challenges to the statute in terms of uh, cases where someone seeks to enforce it by a civil suit, so then the civil suit that would be brought under the Texas statute would be attacked 
on constitutional grounds. And those cases will wind their way through the federal system in all likelihood and end up back in the lap of the Supreme Court. So I would hope that the Supreme Court applying its uh, principle, uh, which is established in the Texas case, that uh, limitations on abortion are permissible. And now the only question is how many of them? I'm confident and hopeful that the Supreme Court, if this issue wins its way back from Texas to them, will simply uphold the statute against this type of challenge. That remains to be seen. A very close friend of mine. A very close friend of mine is a lawyer, and he was telling me when we were kids, he was first year of law school. Is it true that they use the example of Roe v. Wade being passed on not the basis of law, but on the basis of just social engineering? Well, this has been the accusation hurled at the decision from the time it was handed down. Uh, and uh, it, it is an exercise in more judicial power. I, I don't think it's a well-founded decision. I don't think there is any such right. I don't think the 14th Amendment gives rise to any any privacy right that embraces the right to take another human life. And that's the fundamental question. Is it a human life? If it's a human life, there's no question it must be protected. Now, <laughs> What has to happen, in my view, ultimately, is there has to be a decision as to whether the uh, Fifth Amendment, uh, incorporating uh, incorporated to, into the laws of the states via the Fourteenth Amendment, protects life in the womb. Is this a human being entitled to the protection of its life? Uh, that's the ultimate question. And uh, you know, state law recognizes this in many contexts. There are feticide statutes in a number of states where. If you injure or kill a woman who's pregnant, you're also charged with feticide. How can that be if the child isn't human? Uh, lives in being in the womb uh, affect inheritance rights. They're considered living human beings for purposes of inheritance law in a number of states. So these distortions in our jurisprudence uh, resulted from what Justice Scalia called the abortion distortion. The introduction of this idea that you can take life in the womb has created enormous distortions in various areas of law. It has to be remedied, and I think the only way to remedy it is ultimately to get rid of the Roe versus Wade decision by overruling it. It's just a bad decision, and it's not even based on good science. The science totally refutes the concept that there's a magical point during pregnancy when someone becomes a human fully protectable from sudden death at the hands of an abortionist. There's just no basis for this distinction. Chris Ferrara, the Thomas More Society, you just made my shortlist when I get elected president. So go ahead, get your favorite <laughs> suit tailored, and I want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on your show. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. If you notice, when I discuss this topic, I don't, I don't use religion. It's an easy, it's an easy case when you use religion. Of course, it's if you have any sense of God. Of course, it's ridiculous. I try to beat the Marxists and the socialists on their own ground. They don't think like that. And I don't think you have to, to come to the conclusion that to slaughter the most innocent form of life is an atrocity, is an atrocity. Now, this is misconstrued to where constantly we're hearing this rape and that this incest. Now, that's a case for, for some pregnancies. There's no doubt. What's the percentage Give me the percentage. And the reason that they don't do it is because it's infinitesimal. It's infinitesimal. And then there's always the, the other side of the coin. Does anybody know if their mother was raped? I mean, do you really know? How would you know? 
Does that mean you're not entitled to your life? Does that mean your life and you should not exist? They're two separate things. You can conflate them, but they're two separate things. But when I like to talk about this, we could have a lawyer like that. And by the way, wasn't that wonderful? So refreshing. So, so, so just absolute in grasp of exactly what the rules and exactly what the intent is of the law. It's wonderful to hear that. So often we hear lawyers intellectually twist themselves into the righteousness to implement force. When this is not force, unless, of course, you consider giving somebody the life that you created, forcing them. But if you do, you're probably somebody who grew up in the Bronx. And when they want to condescend to people, they pretend they're from the South. You're probably somebody who started out as a comedian. And somewhere along your career, you lost your eyebrows and no one can find them. Last week, Supreme Court allowed Texas law to go into effect that bans abortions after six weeks and deputizes private citizens to snitch on anyone who helps a woman get uh, an abortion that she may need. Seven other states are preparing to follow suit with similar laws. Uh, So uh, apparently the Republicans found a way to do this. But I I have a question. May I pose it to y'all? So so, uh, they made... Here's Whoopi Goldberg starts speaking like she grew up in Louisiana. She's from the Bronx, where apparently her initiation into the gang of Marxism was they shaved their eyebrows off. This law as if women are laying around trying to get pregnant. No, that's not how it works. When you say that... You can't get an abortion whether you've been raped or you have had incest, anything. That's a punishment. No, those are crimes. And the people who perpetrate those crimes should be killed. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Killed. Let's kill them. If you have incest with your daughter or your niece or whatever, we kill you. After all, the recidivism rate for for pedophilia, as Denny Hassert knows, is 100%. They are punishing all these young women who may not be laying around trying to get next to some man who has been molested or raped. This is, it makes no sense. This is to me very hard, hard Christian thing. Because for me, if you believe in me as a Christian parent, then I will know what's best for my child. Mm. Really? Is that what we believe in you as a Christian parent? That's why it's important is, is been raped not to hide been behind molested. Christianity. Allow me to take care of my child and my family. Y'all don't want to put masks on, but you want me, right? You know, to and and it's brilliant, isn't she brilliant? Y'all don't want to, you all. I still don't know how somebody from Brooklyn even gets to say that without getting slapped in the ear. You all don't want to put masks on so somehow that that see miss i almost said misty i'm sorry about that what she doesn't understand whoopee is that you don't live for other people but that doesn't mean you can fight for laws that protect other people we're fighting for a law that protects the other person being the baby not the unfortunate mother that is convinced herself by listening to philosophical geniuses such as yourself that she somehow should kill the baby and that'll be the answer to all of her problems rather than that baby maybe in fact being the answer to all her problems see it's the short-sightedness of a marxist without eyebrows that we're fighting against such as yourself mike elgin yes hi sean how are you listen uh 
there's a Christian attorney out of Texas that did extensive research on Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, the original law that Texas had passed was made it a criminal offense for a doctor to perform an abortion. Well, the Roe turned around and asked the wrong question and got the wrong answer with the court case because this Christian attorney, is, his name is Harmon Taylor, and you could probably find him online. And actually, he'd be a great guest for you. But he said that what it was was the law did not include the woman because the woman is partaking in the abortion. So that way, you know, you, to penalize the doctor and not the woman, is, mm-hmm. uh, there's no equal protection there. Yeah. So they struck it down, struck the law down in Texas in we, Roe versus Wade and says this is unconstitutional law. But it's been misconstrued to make it think that the, the Supreme Court said it's okay to perform an abortion when actually in the actual case, the Supreme Court was the first court that ever actually heard abortion and actually set the standard for the, the third trimester. It was the third trimester. That's a, yeah. yeah. I, and, and, you know, Mike, we talked about this briefly yesterday. What do you think? Do you think they kept statistics of how many women had abortions in the third trimester, which by the their own law was illegal? Right. I no, mean, I we'll never know. Don't. What we do yeah. know is 63 million babies have been murdered. That's what we right. do know. Right. You know, and, so it's but, a, it's it's a true evil, and um, you know, yeah, I understand. But the Supreme Court did rep- or put it back to the state, and he says it's a state decision. Yeah. So we'll you know we'll hear it here. We'll make our decision, and then they turn around and says, "But it's yeah. really a state decision." But you and I don't need fat justices in robes to tell us it's legal or immoral or wrong. It right. just is. I don't care right. how but, you philosophically tie yourself in a done knot. Their, their job. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just the greatest atrocity right. on the planet. Thank you, Mike, for listening. 312-642-5600. We'll be back. You know, if I was in town tonight, I think I'd go to this function that AM560 is hosting. A little soiree, if you will, to help preserve freedoms. John Anthony is going to be there. Mark Vargas. Rod Blagojevich. Love to ask him about that landfill. And Gary Rabine. I tried to talk Gary Rabine out of running for governor. I'm, I'm going to absolutely confess. He's just too good of a guy. That's what I think. He's gonna, they're going to they're gonna waste his money. There's too many morons. I mean, after all, that state elected Pritzker, who's been abusing, abusing the Democrat, the, the people that vote Democrat for generations. I mean, what a scam family that is. Uh, Nick Richmond and medical experts... Hold on, now we got a little thing here. Um, medical experts from around the area, they are going to be networking, discussing. This is presented by Freedom Initiative Now. It kicks off at 5.30 at the Meridian in Rolling Meadows. Tickets are starting at $15. All the details, you can visit freedominitiative.net. That's freedominitiative.net to go meet them and tell Gary Rabine to buy real estate in Florida and get some of his money back. That's just me. All right, now on the phone lines. Ray in Arlington Heights. I did not know this, Ray. How are you, Ray? Hey, Sean. Hey, listen, about 20 years ago, I read an article by Mona Charon where uh, she critiqued Whoopi Goldberg's quote-unquote new book. What was the name of it? I wrote more than I ever read? I I, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't think that the idiot would have a lot of books out there. But uh, she stated that she had, like, six abortions. So she... No, no, she she's not named Whoopi because of her comedy. 
Oh, I see what you did there. It was very good, Ray. Very, very no. good. No, no, I think I think there uh, there's a lot of uh, subliminal messages here. And it, Ray, can you imagine what it's like? And I, and I mean this seriously. Now, listen, I, I I don't know what kind of dad I am. I don't know. I mean, there are times I wanted to, you know, my daughters, please. You know what it's like raising two girls who are pretty. It's a it's a curse. But the idea that I was always did the best I could for them, right? I was always there. I gave them every opportunity. I don't know how I would live with myself if I would have partaken in some action that killed all of the possibilities of what could be to think that this woman took six lives of her own, her own children, her own offspring. That's an awful big pill to go to sleep with every night, which it does explain a lot of her, a lot of her hatred, a lot of her views, a lot of her totalitarian philosophies. It really does explain. I mean, after all, she thought herself righteous enough to slaughter her babies. So, yeah, that's not good. Ray, thanks. I hope you're wrong on the number. That's, you know, that's, this is my, I say this all the time. The greatest argument against abortion is Barack Obama. And I mean that. I disagree with Barack Obama on, I don't know, 99.9% of things philosophically. But nonetheless, he is the prime example of why no woman should have an abortion. His mother was 17. This is in the middle of the race war in the world, in America specifically. 17 white, his father, a 33-year-old married scumbag, knocks up this 17-year-old college student. She goes back home to Hawaii and has the baby. And thank God she didn't. I mean this. This baby grows up to become president of the United States of America. And Whoopi Goldberg killed six of them. I mean, what could have been? How do you do that? How do you not identify that for the greatest evil in the world? How do you intellectually twist yourself? Well, in this clip that, by the way, a relative sent me, I don't watch The View. I, I, I think you must lose IQ points, you know, in, constantly, the whole hour or whatever it is. There's another person. I'm not being mean. I don't know her name, but apparently she's an attorney and she's supposedly religious. And this is what I want you to hear what she had to say. Let me say this, because Whoopi's right. I mean, I, I, I am personally against abortion. Um, I think it's a sin. Um, I think that it is morally wrong. It's against my faith. Yes. But I agree with you, Whoopi, in the sense that I see this incredible hypocrisy coming from the Christian right. Um, amongst especially people like myself who say that abortion is wrong and say it's about the sanctity of life, yet they're so supportive of gun ownership they're so listen to what she's doing one has nothing to do with the other let me say something i have daughters if they got pregnant i would i understand they might not be perfect timing but how you how you help them is not by killing my grandchild i help them by being there for the grandchild you help them by making them understand that their life doesn't stop when they have a baby it just begins when you have a baby if you look at it the right way. Our job isn't to force people into having babies. That, that, that's not what I would do. You make them understand what you have is the opportunity to bring in a, a human being that could change the future, and we don't know how. It's perspective. And this is a person who says she's religious, but the perspective that she wants to control is somehow guns are the problem and the reason that you should have both.
We should have guns and we should have abortion is must be her only conclusion. And while in between the break, I was listening to the to the news. I'm not sure if you heard it, but there was a guy who was attacked by a guy trying to rob him from what I heard. And he shot him. Well, the guy fought back and he stabbed them and they both died. The guy was fighting for his life, his life. He was fighting for. Do you know if he was rich? Do you know if he had a wonderful house if he went to? No, but he was fighting for his life. The reason you need guns is because sometimes you have to fight for your life against people who want to hurt you. That's why you need a gun. The reason you don't have an abortion is because your child may change the world. He may be president. She may invent the cure for cancer. Or maybe she has a baby that does it, and so on and so on and so on. Your job as a human being, as a parent is to instill that perspective into your child to never feel hopeless, to always understand it's what could be that you focus on. But when you really step back and you think about these people that we're talking about, the Fourth Reich, they don't have that vision. Everything is right now. Everything has to be manipulated and contorted and controlled for right now because they don't have the vision of what could be if things are free, if things are allowed to live this is why they're the most dangerous people on the planet, is the American Marxist Fourth Reich Democrat. By far. They have no vision, and they obviously have no conscience and no soul. 312-642-5600. I'll be back. <laughs> How many Fed chairmen you think are going to uh, get in trouble for front-running the corporatism? Hillary Clinton linked lawyer indicted on Russiagate probe, zero hedge. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to get in a lot of trouble. It's going to be terrible. Well, here's a comment. You know, we, we really talked a lot of the third rail of radio. Uh, probably lost a ton of listeners. Greg in Woodstock, you're not one. Happy you stuck around. Yeah, hi, uh, hi, Sean. I'm not in Woodstock anymore. I'm in Lake Geneva. I oh, got man, well, out of Illinois. Good for you. Anyway, thank you for uh, even talking about the A subject because that seems like the third rail of talk radio. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Dinner, nobody wants to really talk about that because it's too whatever. Uh, it's too. It's, you, know it, it, you know, it's interesting. It's too what? It's too polarizing. Well, call me silly. I really don't mind yeah, I mean, if the people who are willing to kill their child change the channel. I'm good with it. I don't yeah, mind if exactly. the fascists, if the Marxists, if the communists change the channel. I don't mind if the Glencoe developer that would throw a $5,000 fundraiser for Lori Lightfoot changes the channel. I'm okay with it. But uh, I'm contracted. So thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Robert Bloomingdale. Hey, Sean. How you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. You know, I just wanted to say a comment. You know, you heard on the uh, break, um, uh, John Sackey saying that uh, Biden's doing such a great job and all that. This is just empty talking points from these leftists. And unfortunately, people are just stupid enough to believe them. What do you think? I think you, we're living in a country where it's a dream world. 81 million people dead alive, existing or not existing, voted for this buffoon. This buffoon who's been wrong his entire life and corrupt his entire life, who's from a state uh, that's built on tax avoidance. And now he gets up there and he's promoting 
the Mao Zedong vision of an economy and yelling himself a capitalist. I think we're in a country where 56% of the people cannot name the three branches and 61% don't pay taxes. I think we're in a country inhabited by entitled leeches blaming successful people for their own failures. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think I'm glad. I agree with you 100%. Thank Thank you for taking my call. And I'm proud of the guy who fought back against the guy that was going to rob him and stab him. If you're going to die, that's a lot better way than waiting for a union nurse who smells like beef and cheese to change your Biden diaper. That's just me. I like to think of things like that. But then again, I would never tolerate a dimwit like this. Let me just say about our president, President Biden. President Biden is it's so we're so fortunate that he did not win for president before when he ran. That he did not win for president before when he ran. We're so fortunate that he's a loser. That the only way he could win is if we pushed him over the edge with both parties agreeing to turn the blind eye while we frauded the vote. See, you didn't think I could talk about that today, but I fit it in. Uh, Beverly, West Loop. Hi, Beverly. Hi. Hi. Executive, legislative, and judicial is the answer to your question. But that's not why I called. Well, I know you uh, know it. Everybody listening to this show knows it. But go ahead. That's the nuns, Sean. That's the nuns in civics class. Um, I'm calling because uh, I was fortunate enough to have the world's greatest dad, and I think, personally, that a father uh, doesn't just uh, welcome his out-of-wedlock grandbaby, but he teaches his daughter that it's okay, and in fact preferable, to swim against the tide of of the sexual revolution. Yeah, I think it's right. I think ideally, but, you know, Kids will be kids, and that's why you can never uh, condone the actions of an immature mind that would resort to murdering a baby rather than make them feel good about it. I'll be back in 21 hours.